0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Show. This is kind of play a play Actually that was the wrong intro So I'm going to stop it right there And we're going to start it a little bit early um, Matthew, are you with us?
2: I am here, sir, and I'm laughing <laughs> Why
1: are you laughing at well, me?
2: Because we haven't been on the air 30 seconds already You messed something up <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well what, what can I that? say, man? You I know, thought, what this can I say? Like you.
2: I thought that music didn't sound like you. I thought, wait a minute, I'm hooked up to the wrong show here, baby.
1: <laughs> well, no, I want to start with Praise Master G, of course, which is my normal thing, but for some okay. reason, my, my finger pushed the wrong button. Anyway, you know, usually I'm brilliant and perfect any other day, but every now and you know, <clears>
2: then, <throat> I tend well, to. Um, I don't know about perfect but I know you're brilliant,
1: so you got named the most
2: brilliant questioner of the century last week. And you're probably well, still basking in the glow of that affirmation.
1: I am, I am, and I'ma see <laughs> if I can get a two I'ma see if I can get a twofer too. You know what a two you know what a twofer is?
2: I know it is two in a row.
1: Okay, I'm gonna we'll see if I can get a twofer today. Okay, well, I'm we're gonna, gonna try. try. We're gonna try. Uh, who. Who do we have the pleasure
2: of? We have we have
1: Michelle Glazer.
2: Michelle, are you with us? Michelle? Hello. Yes, I'm
0: here. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, not really there, but on the phone.
2: <laughs> well, you're here. You're here. I'm Michelle, here. Michelle, I'm, I'm going to uh, give just a little bit of information about you and then uh, Lamont and I have got about 100 questions for you And Lamont has some I'm definitely good. brilliant ones He's got some brilliant <laughs> questions for you But uh, okay. I just want to give you a quick introduction here Did okay. I say your name right? Is it Glazer? Yes, it's Glazer Okay, we have Michelle Glazer Who grew up in New York And only recently moved to Florida And she pursued a degree in social work that, and With a concentration on addiction She has a master's in education and social work, and she is also a certified alcohol and substance abuse counselor and is currently pursuing her Ph.D. in social work with a specialty in addiction, which is a pretty serious kind of Ph.D. (laughs) Michelle is currently a therapist at Singer Island Treatment Center in West Palm Beach, Florida. Michelle, we are really happy to have you today, and I know we're going to be talking about addiction and the family. And uh, we've got we've got a lot of questions for you, but that, uh, our surviving addiction as a family is really what we're going to have kind of a uh, positive uh, take on that. I have had a lot of families that I've worked with over the years who struggle with family members having addiction and Lamont and I know that it's a very very big issue all over this country and so we're really happy that uh, we we have you here and we're going to ask you some questions about it and please feel free to uh, if people are listening in please feel free to call us Um, Lamont could you tell them the uh, call-in number again please 929-2870
1: 929-2870 uh, Press number one on your phone Let us know you're there And we'll be glad to have you join in
2: So can I, I'd like to start with one question uh, Michelle and then we can just take off And we're talking about families and addiction And I know a lot of times people see The addict as the person with the problem Or the issue But you guys, and I think a lot of people think it's important for families to be involved in the in the recovery process. Could you say a little bit about that, just to get you started?
0: Sure, absolutely. So I absolutely think that one, the addict or alcoholic, as an individualized patient, if they you know, no one is you know roaming this world by themselves. There's family, friends, spouses, and you know. whomever Mm -hmm. you come into contact with on your everyday life can and will be affected by the addiction. Therefore, without, with the only, with only one person changing the behaviors of the entire family or the entire community will be shifted in a negative light. So if I, you know, if I'm taking care of just not just, but the drug addict or alcoholic, and I can't touch base with the parents or parents don't want to be involved or girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, I get hesitant on sending them home to. It's like a hostile, hostile oh, yeah. environment. It's almost toxic, mm-hmm. and I, I it just makes me very nervous when I have, you know, when I don't have people on board with me. It's really important for support for right. the family as well as the individual.
2: Yeah. Mhm. I, I, um, I. Well, what do you think? Are families sometimes, um, resistant to that idea?
0: Of course, yeah. So you have. There's, you know, a plethora of different ways that, that families can and will handle it. The the extreme would be, this is, you know, fix my kid. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. This is not my problem. This is their problem. Then you have families that are over-involved, helicopter parents, and I'm they're not even my parents, and, you know, I'm getting phone calls 1030 at night. Oh, he didn't call me. Is he okay? Did he take his medicine? Did he mm-hmm. sleep well? Stuff like that. So there's, you know, there's very large extremes to that. What I like to find yeah. somewhere in, is somewhere in the middle, some you know compromise. Let's say, so that's it's crucial to anybody's functioning. So um, if I can ha- you know help in any way to make it a, an easier transition, let's say, I will do whatever it takes because it's really just entireness. Well, let's let's Curtis. say that
2: we that we let's say that we have a family and uh, there's a uh, a late teen or early twenties uh, child who's the addict, um, how do you like for a family to be involved with that? If it was like your perfect environment or perfect (laughs) response, what would that look like?
0: So perfect response would be, one, to if they're not, let's say, in the state of Florida, and I would definitely make a phone call by myself first to the family members just to Mm -hmm. see – Sometimes it's a different side of the story. Sometimes the kid is saying, oh, my parents are X, Y, and Z, and then the parents are saying, absolutely not, that's completely false, he's telling you absolute lies. So I have Mm -hmm. to see both, or however many sides of the story, so I can sort of analyze the truth in all of it, and even if I can't find the actual truth, some sort of bottom line where we can start a foundation and move forward from that, Mm. and In that situation alone, a perfect situation, I'd have parents on board. i have boyfriends, you know, husband, wives, kids, whatever it was, if I can get them to Florida for a family session or a family weekend or some sort of um, impactful way, be able to share what has gone on, what has it been like for them as an individual. It always has to be the I person. You can't, well, he did this and she did, no, I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. I want to know how their behavior made them feel, them react, them behave and then we can work through that but i need everyone to be concentrating on their behaviors in this because i can tell you the absolute truth is that if someone's a drug addict there's not anybody's fault but the person who chose to use the drugs has to take their own responsibility for that however how it's handled can be adjusted to fit the scope of how it works out Okay. So it's really, so, really important
2: So if I'm the addict I have to finally come down to I'm responsible for what I do with my behavior Even if my family is screwed up Beyond belief <laughs> Yeah, basically That's real, But I gave you the, the G-word Go ahead, Melon
1: I was just going to say Aren't those the same people that feel like They can handle it, that it's really not a problem
0: Yes Absolutely. Everyone, well, not everyone, just a generalization. So a lot of times you'll find people like they don't want the people around them involved because this is my problem, I'm going to deal with it, I'm going to get better, I'm going to go back, everything's going to be fine. I have a client right now who's doing, some, you know, doing stuff like that. And the fact is, is that if you change you and your, your surroundings don't change, you're going to clash. It's, it's not going to work. Everyone has to, has to adjust behaviors. And it's hard for parents or whomever, the family, let's say, to do that because they, again, will say, well, I'm not the one doing the drugs. And that's even harder. So sometimes you get three clients for the price of one because you're really modifying a lot of behaviors here.
2: Well, what do you you say to a parent who says, I'm not the one doing the drugs?
0: Well, I think that's great that they're not doing the drugs, but there is – always if they send a kid to treatment let's say it was a teenager or whatever however age mm-hmm. and they're still living at home or whatever the scenario is uh, there has to be something that's been going on in the life there's a, there's a, everyone has their own life story so in this life story where are you what role did you play in this story and not not to blame or to fault but to be able to problem solve completely solution focused uh-huh. And sometimes nothing happened. What if you had an amazing childhood and you were, you know, you were surrounded by love and affection and family, but sometimes things happen and and you people don't know how to handle certain things. So you're going to self-medicate and some people self-medicate with drugs and or alcohol. Some people self-medicate with, you know, relationships, codependent relationships, whatever it is. There's a, there's a, there's always a core to all of this. And my, my job technically is, can I find the core? Can we, if I find the core, can I let's, – let's sort of reevaluate how this happened and let's see if we can look at it differently so you can medicate yourself through therapy, through talk therapy versus drugs or alcohol, family sure, as well.
1: Let me, let me ask you a question. Uh, what do you think about the parents that are enabling – uh, the ones that feel like, well, I know my kids are doing drugs, but if they're going to do drugs anyway, I would prefer them doing them at home rather than in the street somewhere.
0: Right. So that happens so often that sometimes I'm just thinking, you know, I when I grew up, there was a house that people, the parents were okay with drinking alcohol because they were home and their kids didn't have to get behind you know, a car and no one was driving or whatever it was. And somehow that was like the cool house. Yet, at the same time, it was almost promoting that. Therefore, so people in high school thought that was cool. After the fact, that's not cool. I mean, the idea is not to say, you know what, it's okay as long as it's under my roof because I promise this, that alcohol is not the only thing that's going to be done under that roof. And where do, the, where do the lines get crossed? There's absolutely blurred lines there. If there's no rules, boundaries, regulations, some sort of setting where you can say, you know what, I'm the parent, and we need to discuss this. If you're going to drink, we have to figure out how we can handle it. To, to sort of, like, co-sign it is reckless, in my, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But you said there's a ton of parents who do that, a ton. And they think, oh, well, I knew he was going to do heroin, So I and he stole my earrings once before. So I knew if I gave him fifty dollars, at least I wouldn't have to miss jewelry. That was like two weeks ago. A mom said that to me.
1: So basically
0: said it's okay to use heroin, just don't sell my jewelry. And that's where you get the education piece.
1: It's unfortunate because I know some people too that one one child was uh, stealing the parents' jewelry and going and selling it for drugs. And another child, the relationship, the brother of the same, went and bought the jewelry back, and it was like a repeat thing. One would go steal oh, it wow. from, from the parent and sell it for drugs, and the other child would go buy it back from the dope dealer. And that went on for a while until uh, the one brother said, listen, if told the parent, if you allow your child to steal it again from you, it's just gone. They're not going to you know, go retrieve it again.
0: Right. That, and that's that totally goes right into the codependency piece. There, I mean, there's no accountability, and there's no it's there's a cause and effect. And by you, you know, selling, let's say, the jewelry and getting the drugs, and then the jewelry miraculously coming back, it's it's, it's basically saying you can keep doing this. I'll keep getting it. There's no there's no reason to stop because it's okay in that house.
1: Right, I and think it's we sad. Have that's terrible I think we have another caller Let me see who this may be 424, you're on Hello I guess they accidentally pressed one I hear a lot of background noise Anyway, I'm sorry That's okay
2: So if we're talking about um, families who are in the midst of active addiction versus families who are trying to support the recovery process, how what are we going to see this different in, in the two families?
0: Well, again, depends on the family dynamic, obviously. But in active addiction, a family will either not – I mean, I, they're not going to be supporting it, but they're – You know, they're dealing with it because they don't think they can do anything about it. So it's almost, all right, well, this, you know, he's going to come to dinner. He may not show up. He may show up. Um, What kind of state of mind is he going to be in? Can I, I have to be, you know, supervising wherever they go. They can't get behind a car. Whatever it is, in active addiction, all bets are off. All bets are off. You have no control and there's no way to, to bring it into some sort of realistic type of impression of what you expect. In recovery or in um, remission, let's say, the family is cohesive, they're working together, and they're becoming part, you know, like sums of a part, they're becoming part of a whole at this point. In active addiction, the person is completely isolated and is rejected, lonely, and sad, but and again, in the entire family, the mom is going to be sad, feeling rejected, like feeling like a bad mother, the dad, the same situation, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, Then there's no trust. In recovery, you're dealing with no trust but baby steps. Let's get it back. Let's figure this out. Let's do it together. And there's love. There's always going to be love no matter what. But how do, you, how do you handle this love? Can you do it together? Will you fight? You have to fight. I mean, I tell all my clients all the time, are you willing to fight for this? Are you going to fight for your life? Or are you going to lay down and let this take you over? If you're willing to fight, I will help you fight. Let's, you know, and I say that to the parents also. You can do this. It sounds silly, but the removal of drugs or alcohol is the easiest thing in the world to do. I know it sounds silly, but the hard part comes once you detox. Then what? Then you you have no self-medication. Yeah, you have to sort of feel. And people don't want to feel. If you feel, you want to use drugs again. That's like the dance you do.
2: Well, you know, I have a, a family that... I worked with for a while and they're not they're currently not seeing me but there's a uh, a son and only child in the house he's uh, mid-20s and he does all the kind of stuff he has drug problems and he does all the kind of stuff that you were describing he'd steal from his parents and he'd sell things and they would tell him he has to get a job and he dropped out of school he's still living at home and I, I said to his mom one day she said what happened and I said What needs to happen, and I said, "Well, number one, there need to be some consequences." And I said, "Finally, um, I said, you know, he needs to know that if he if he uses, he can't live in your house." And she said to me, "I could never do that. He's my son." Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm curious. I'm curious what what you would say at that point. I know what I said It didn't help, but <laughs> so I'm interested in in your comments about that because I'm certain you have heard that story before.
0: Oh yeah, 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 very, very often. This is the issue with that. I think a lot of times the addict almost wants to be kicked out because then they don't have to deal with anything anymore. I had a client who actually said to me she preferred being homeless than having a home with a parent with food and and everything, clothing. She didn't have to pay for anything. But she preferred homeless, so she didn't have to deal with that. That's an odd situation. In terms of the family piece, I I don't know how many times I've heard, I just can't do it. It's my kid because they think Mm -hmm. if I kick my kid out, and let's say that night, or t- you know, ten days later, whatever it is, they overdose, they get hit by a car, they get raped, or whatever it is, they blame them. And that trauma mm-hmm. is something they will blame themselves for. So I don't yeah. know exactly if it's like a selfish thing. You don't want to, you don't want to do it because you don't want to deal with the consequences of your re- of your action, or you don't want to deal with the consequences of their
2: action. Well, the mother said to me, you know, I don't know what I, I couldn't do that. He might end up on the street or. He wouldn't have a place to live or, you know, so if something bad happens to him, I would never forgive myself. And I said, well, as long as you enable him this way, he's going to use because there's no consequences.
0: Right. So I think with that kind of family, the best thing you can do for a parent who just can't do it. And there's, I mean, so many families who just will not, they don't have the capability of doing that. The best thing to do is redirect them to, if you can't kick them out, guess where you have to go. You're going to treatment. You're going to figure this out. We are going to do this. But right now, the only option you have, if you don't want to, you know, live on the streets, is I, you know, I will get you treatment, and and let's, well, let's start a new life. Well, let's talk
2: about let's talk about treatment for a moment because there's is it, um, isn't that there's,
1: voluntary too?
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: yes. So the so unless, the so the patient, the, the so the patient can actually walk out whenever they get ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely yes. Yeah. It's, again, it's a commitment, and I can't tell you again how many times I'm, you know, t- talking people off the ledge because, and it's, it's again, it's silly stuff, but uh, there are no TVs in the rooms. There's no, I have to cook my own food. I don't want to come to groups. I don't, you know, I don't want to go to N.A. I don't want to go to A.A. And then you counter that with, well, what were you doing when you were home? Were you on the, you know, Doing everything in your power to get your drugs that night, or where you say, "Oh, this dealer can't get it to get to get to my house," so I am just—I guess I'm not going to do drugs tonight. That's not going to happen. You're going to find another dealer and somewhere else to get your drugs. If you're willing to to do this, you have to do all of it. But they're going to
2: complain. So, so, so let me ask you about that. So let's hmm. say, so uh, let's say this kid we're talking about is sort of hypothetical, but. So uh, he has two choices. He could go into the facility or he could do an outpatient. Do you guys do that? Yes. What?
0: Inpatient How usually old... is – yeah, go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. No, no, I, you respond. Go ahead.
0: No, I, you know, I actually forgot what I was going to say.
2: <laughs> you can tell me something about inpatient. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so this facility, the one I'm working at, is technically an inpatient 30 days. Uh, Could be thirty, could be sixty, could be ninety, and then without everybody has to discharge to an IOP to some place else, like a transitional living, a sober living. You can't, you know, you're not just going to discharge home. There has to be a step down process. However, American Addiction Centers has places all over the country now with the inpatient Mm. plus the outpatient as well.
2: Okay, now is. I'm, I'm going to ask you a hard question. I know there's not a simple answer to it, but I'm okay. interested in what you have to say about it, and that is do you think 30 days is enough? Do I personally? Yeah. Personally,
0: no, I don't. Could I think you talk a little that, bit about
2: why you think yeah, that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I've done a ton of research on uh, – and, again, you know what? I, let me back up on this one. I think people can get sober and can never use drugs or alcohol again by going to a detox. I also think they can do it by going to AA and NA. I also think 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, however long can be enough. It totally depends on the person. I know people who went to detox have never used drugs or alcohol again. I know people who needed, you know, 90-plus days to get the information and, and sort of absorb it totally an individualized program. It's a, right. it's just yeah. you can't pigeonhole it, but I personally think okay. minimum should probably be between like let's say 30 and 45. That's how okay. I would how I I think. And after
2: the after the initial 30 to 45, do you guys usually recommend that there's a outpatient follow-up program? What what do you always. suggest for yeah, people?
1: Always. And
2: how is the family involved in that? Okay. In
0: so in the 30 day where I am, the 30 day treatment every month, every third uh third week of the month there's something called family weekend. So you will come in okay. on a Friday and you have all day Friday, all day Saturday of family work. Individuals oh, cool. do an individual or two sessions with the therapist, but then it's mm-hmm. groups. Other families involved as well. You hear other mm. people's stories. In an outpatient program You're dealing, there's intensive outpatient or IOP or outpatient OP. Intensive is like four days a week versus outpatient being three days a week. The family can be as involved as possible. It's not a requirement. It's never a requirement for a family to be involved. It's very, very highly looked good upon if you do do that.
1: Michelle, have you ever had have have you ever had the pleasure of treating um a client that was an alcoholic and his family members were alcoholics also
0: yes i have had the active alcoholic family with the active alcoholic then i've had a uh, alcoholic family with the family in recovery plus the active alcoholic that's a, that's wow. an interesting dynamic cuz they think so,
1: uh it so is genetic so you up treating everybody
0: yeah, I know.
1: You, everybody. You. Yeah. You, you, you get paid for one and end get up one treating client. nine. <laughs> Look, yeah. You get paid for treating one <laughs> and end up treating nine. <laughs> oh, easy. Easy. It, oh, yeah.
0: It's it's unbelievable, let me tell you. You're never just treating the client. For sure, never treating. It's always, the minimum I've had so far is two for the price of one. The max has been like seven for the price of one.
1: Oh, my okay. goodness. It's,
0: it's impressive stuff.
1: Oh but, goodness. again,
0: they're willing to work on it. If you're willing to work on it, I'll work with all of you. I will work with everyone if everyone's willing to work on it. I can't convince you to, to be, a, you know, to help or, or to change or go to therapy. I can't do that. I can tell you how I think would be the best option. That's all I can do.
1: Well, at least, at least you're willing to try to get to the root of the problem.
0: It's imperative. If you don't get to the root of the problem, I can pretty much guarantee that it's not going to just be one treatment you go to. If you just close well, through 30 days and you don't deal with it, you're, you're going to always deal with it through drugs.
2: Let me, let me ask a question for people who are probably listening, and, and it's a question that comes up for everybody, and I'm sure somebody will call in and ask if I don't ask it. What do, how, do we, how do you deal with money about this?
0: With getting treatment, you mean?
2: Yeah. So if I'm if I want to go for thirty days, how does that get paid for?
0: So most, um, I don't want to say most. If you have insurance, most will possibly cover thirty days, and sometimes you can get extensions for the sixty or ninety. If you can't, unfortunately, you know there it's not an, you know it's not a cheap thing you're doing, but it, people definitely private pay a lot. Uh, sometimes there's there's cases where there are rare instances where you can scholarship somebody, however usually it's insurance or I have a lot of um like v a clients right now, so they come uh-huh. from the west palm beach v a so that's um a contract that that they got, so that's a different kind of thing so
2: oh I see it's interesting
0: yeah it's very it's very interesting, especially big corporations also stuff like that if you work with them there's a good dynamic between their case manager and us, and we try and work together as much as we can.
1: Matthew, you were asking us something about finances. I thought you were going to ask a question such as, at what point does a person understand that they have a problem with prescription medication?
0: Well, that's an excellent question. That is a tough one.
1: You almost
2: said it was one of the century. You you almost had to... The, the brilliant question there. Now, that was almost a twofer for you.
1: <laughs> We've been kidding around
2: since last week because he was told last week he had the question
1: of the century. So, oh see, really? Yeah, M- Michelle, I'm in the entertainment yeah. business, and see, this has uh, been very prevalent for years. Whether it's you know cocaine, marijuana, alcohol, or now the big thing is prescription medication. And now your average everyday individual, you know, they're taking pain medication for working a joint back ailments or whatever. But right. um you know, they they're they're readily available through the doctors for whatever all their reasons are and a lot of the stuff you could buy online. But, you know, we're noticing now that people are taking more and more and more and more and more, and, you know, they don't realize that, that they're becoming an addict or they're an addict now or yeah. they have a habit now, but they're explaining away right. for whatever reason. So what point is it or should they say, hey, look, I have an issue and I need to go seek help?
0: That's a great, great question, and it's a question that I have happens to have a lot of clients right now that are here for Percocet. Now, they were prescribed it by a doctor. One had a back injury. One had a knee injury. Um, I have actually one person that is an amphetamine prescribed by doctors, and they say, well, it was prescribed. Why am I here, basically? So my question always is this. How many were you prescribed a day? let's say you're prescribed 3 to 5 a day or whatever whatever you're prescribed did you take 3 to 5 a day 100% of the time if i am talking to you you are not taking the prescribed dosage there's no there's that's not the case so, if let's say you're getting the Vicodins or, or Dilaudid or whatever you're getting, and you get six a day for 30 days or whatever it is, and you're taking 10 a day, or you're taking two at a time, or whatever you're taking, you're abusing that prescription. Therefore, does that mean you immediately have an issue? No but does it mean that you're now looking for the drugs elsewhere? Are you doctor shopping? Are you going to urgent cares all the time? Are you trying to get substitutes so you can get an, a, your opiate fix if you're running out of the meds? Are you moving to heroin because the pills are too expensive? They, these are, ama- like, amazing follow-up questions, but the question always lies with are you taking the dosage as prescribed? And if you're an addict, you're not.
2: Right. You're not. Right. Or you're substituting something else. I have a client right now who is—he's in recovery, but before he went into recovery uh, a couple of years ago, he was taking 18 Percocets a day. He's taking one almost every hour. I don't know how he even—I don't know how he even walked around his house. It's amazing, but uh, it's really powerful stuff, and really powerful. It it really grabs hold of you and destroys you fast.
0: Yeah, and interesting with opiates. If you are taking, like the person who takes the 18 perks a day, let's say those people have, been, you know, have gotten their tolerance so high that those 18 may not even get them high at that point. Yeah. They might just, mm-hmm. That might just get them to baseline. That may just be the yeah. function. So for someone well. who doesn't do drugs, taking three is too much, but someone who's taking 18 may actually need like 25 yeah. to 26 to get high off of it. Mm-hmm. And there's your there's your reasoning for a lot of transitional use into heroin
2: because it's way cheaper well, than pill That was my next question. My next question is about heroin. Yeah. And then so, I, have, so the I question, have one after yeah, that. Yeah, he's got one. Yeah, yeah, I got one after you get you, a really Matthew, good go question ahead. in there someplace, you know.
1: But I think <laughs> I probably
2: should defer to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 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 watching the the news and talking to people and. I'm hearing that heroin is kind of making a comeback here. Um, what's your experience yeah. and, and your thoughts about that, Michelle?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, I would say 80 to 85% of my clients are heroin. Most are injecting, some snorting, but heroin is cheap. It's a cheap drug that is doing the job of your 20 Percocets a day for a what quarter cheap of the price. Mean? Cheap meaning, I guess. I mean, It's expensive. I, I very inexpensive. We're talking if a pill on the street is. I know that a lot of my clients are paying thirty to forty dollars a pill for one, like Roxy or Oxy, let's say. Uh, heroin, forty dollars can get you like two or three bundles that can last you two wow. or three days.
1: Oh my so God! Big,
0: big difference in price. Big difference. Wow. wow. And unfortunately, with all this, uh, the new ha- epidemic of heroin, these people are now cutting it with deadly substances deadly it's really very very scary what's going on i actually had a client who was a heroin addict injected heroin but would test the bundle of heroin with like ph balances he was had a whole chemistry kit just to make sure it didn't have any fentanyl in it or any any you know those elephant tranquilizers that they're the car fentanyl and all that stuff now but (laughs) he knew to do that like, that's the crazy <laughs> part of the whole thing. Oh, I'm not, I don't want to die. I don't want to kill myself. Go, so why don't you go back to school and become like a neuroscientist
1: or something? Like, this yeah, is you what got, you're using
0: your talent for. Yeah,
1: you got to He was be pretty a, proud uh, of art, it,
0: too.
1: In order to yeah, be a exactly fan, right. you got to be a kid,
0: Exactly. Uh, so you sure. never know
1: what's in and, it, I guess. Yeah,
0: and then they all turn out to start uh, cooking it. That uh, I have two clients that started cooking crystal meth. So they didn't want to pay for it anymore So they, they have their own like Breaking Bad thing going on oh my God. So yeah And this way it's cheap And for them a trigger was public. Going to a supermarket They couldn't go in Because they got a lot of their supplies there
1: Wow, wow. Yeah. Let me, cra- <laughs> Let me ask you a crazy question Michelle I know mm-hmm. this very 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 famous Music celebrity That's been doing cocaine For 50 something years If he stopped right. doing cocaine Will his heart stop?
0: No. Cocaine does not have any physical withdrawal symptoms. So you can do cocaine, I don't know, say every day for 2 years and then stop for 3 weeks and nothing will happen. You can actually have your heart have a heart attack from too much coke though because your oh. your heart rate is is speeding up so fast and your blood pressure goes so high that that's why a lot of people are now they mix the cocaine with heroin because cocaine is the upper heroin is the downer and there or the even alcohol is the downer and it balances it out so you can do more and more and more but it will not no your heart will not
2: stop from that
0: well isn't cocaine
2: like some other drugs too that the more you take the more you need
0: sure well every drug really is like that
2: so but um, so this
1: person
0: has, he's talking about has been doing it for yeah. 50 years. Yeah, so that's more like, mental.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like the inside industry joke, uh, Matthew. This guy's been doing it so long. People say, well, dog, if he just stopped one day, he probably would die because that's become his regular <laughs> diet. For um,
0: yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, but no, it, you're not going to die from not using drugs. I mean, that would be interesting to change in, in scenery. Let me tell you, because then I'll have people saying, "Well, if I quit, maybe I'll die." Like that's not going to happen. What can happen is your um, your body sort of gets used to that speedy, that speedy feeling, that walking around, the pacing, the the talking fast, whatever it is. But if you're not on it, no, you you'll. You'll be very depressed, very anxious, very sad, very lonely, because cocaine specifically is absolute mental, all mental stuff that happens. Yes, you you need to use more because it, you will come down faster. But if you use it at day one versus day 50, you're always going to sh- uh, look for the first high, your first line, your first injection, your first smoke whatever it is you're always chasing that first high that you'll never get you'll never so get i that wonder
1: back. so i wonder when they used to put it in coca-cola back in the day when did they start realizing that that everybody was walking <laughs> around kind of fast and talking fast right i don't know but soda.
0: It's, it's true right that's an i that always like surprised me that that you can get Coca-Cola with Coke in it, but there's, the addictive thing is just the fact that you want it. It's not because you physically need it. It's because mentally you need it. It's different than, like, an opiate or, you know, it's totally different than that.
2: Yeah, the body's that, not it, screaming for it. Right. It's your mind's going no, out not. for it. No, it's
0: not. Exactly. And to me, um, cocaine or the uppers are very difficult to help people with because, once I, you know, because they don't want to stop because of the mental stuff, the behavior changing, whatever it is, the heroin, the opiate people, once they detox, they, of course they want to still use, but they're not craving it. You're craving the Coke. It's like, draws you in. It's very powerful.
1: Well, doesn't caffeine have the same, similar effect?
0: It can, for sure. I mean, there there's definitely people who go to rehab, who end up drinking an enormous amount of coffee just to get that shaky feeling, you know, when your hands are shaking, when Mm. you can't sit still. Wow. Uh, So, yeah, they have that too. It's what you do with it. A person is not going to have to drink 400 cups of coffee, but you will if you want to feel like you're on speed. I mean, it's all what you want to do with it.
1: I was addicted to coffee once upon a time, so you know that's why I asked.
0: Do you that. not drink it anymore?
1: No, I, I had got to a point where I was ordering coffee from all over the world. I had just kind of went off the deep end to see what
2: you, you had like a you, gourmet like coffee it? addiction there.
1: Well, because I just <laughs> wanted to know, you know, everybody said, "Well, you know, this is some good coffee, or this is the best coffee," but. Your best might not be the best best, so I went on this mission to find out what was the best best in the world. So,
2: well, how much were you drinking know.
1: per day? So I think I think. <laughs> so
0: I, yeah, that's the next well, question.
1: Were you like
2: taking baths in it, or you were like shooting it up, or what were you doing? Oh how my much were you gosh.
1: Drinking? <laughs> well. I, I found out that I have somewhat of an addictive personality, so I found out that the first thing for me to do is not like something because I end up going on a deep end <laughs> with it. Same uh-huh. thing I did, you know, with my fishing poles, you know, like I, I found out that I like deep sea fishing. You know, I started out with one pole, now I got 100 poles, you know, stuff like uh, that. Yeah, oh, yeah, there you go.
0: There you go I so I'm gla-
1: like figured out I have an issue like that So I just tried not to like something Because if I really, really like it I'm in trouble That's going to be difficult <laughs> I guess I'm lucky that's you don't hard. like me that much you know? Aww, that's
2: Yeah, well, bad. you know
1: people, like, people get hooked on different things It could be food, it could be shoes It Sometimes could be whatever people, their right? hobby is you know? Oh, you get hooked on yeah. things I see. Yeah, yeah well, then well, you can use okay. that.
0: I like things, too.
1: See? <laughs> okay. There she goes. That doesn't knows, mean you're addicted to up. it. <laughs> yeah, I Michelle mean, yeah, knows what's up. I, I a lot of women.
0: <laughs> but just One because you like coffee from around the world doesn't mean you're addicted to coffee. You may just be addicted right. to the the idea of finding the best thing ever.
1: Uh-huh. That, that doesn't sound like it. a coffee, does it?
0: Yeah, it M-I-D-S. sounds like you're like, I need right. the best, I want
2: the best Give
1: Well, he, the never, best. But he never it did answered start, the question But it did start messing with my stomach So the doctor told me it was well, ne- my yeah, yeah, but you never so answered the question What was the question, sir?
2: I asked you the question like twice, you didn't answer it
1: We all forgot The question
2: was, how much coffee did you drink per day?
1: Oh, it wasn't a lot You know, it was maybe two big cups a day
2: Oh, that's not bad
0: that's, I mean, it depends how big it is. Research says that's good for you. Was it the biggest cop in the world?
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't. The <laughs> cup. Uh-huh. Well, the that's recent research about coffee says, generally speaking, is pretty good for you. But I don't know. If you drink
1: in moderation. Of a
2: couple of days, not so good. Yeah.
0: Anything in moderation, except obviously the drugs and alcohol. But coffee in moderation, sure.
1: I mean, if you can't sleep <laughs> well, at night,
0: I wouldn't recommend coffee.
1: It's a dead I, I, I would, like, that much out. I, I would <laughs>
2: like to go back to the family and addiction there for a moment Because I, I think it's, it's an important topic And I, I know in my family uh, My oldest stepdaughter is a recovering heroin addict And mm-hmm. she's been clean for probably about 12 or 13 years now And before wow. that it was about 10 years of as bad as it gets Really, okay. as bad as it gets on the street, disappearing. Um, and I was thinking about what you're talking about, about what they cut it with now. At least once, and while she was using, she told me that she she overdosed on purpose. Uh, yeah. Because she That's was trying to common. commit suicide. Yeah. And whoever sold it to her had cut it too much, and she just ended up sleeping for two days. Thank God. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she went. She finally went into treatment here in South Florida, and stayed in in her um, in a treatment center for for I think it was finally up to six. I think it was six months. Right. And finally got clean. And thank God for the last thirteen years, she's been not using. And that's amazing. I, I think it's a, It is kind of a miracle story I think um, And it, We went through All kinds of terror With it um, you know she's my Stepdaughter so she wasn't my blood daughter But I really did care do care About her and her mother was You know we never knew when the phone rang If it meant that we we're going to get a call she was dead Yeah And, and that's it a was big a, fear obviously It was a long terrible kind of Thing uh, but I, I have a I client really...
0: who OD'd 11 times. Oh, my God. She, has this, she, has, she thinks that's like funny or fun or something, like a good story. You know what? People, she never once in all those 11 times wasn't trying to kill herself. She really wasn't. But interestingly enough, the people who have needed the Narcan shot, those people are always looking the second they get up, they're always looking for the heroin again because mm. they made it. They lived Obviously they're invincible It's it's, again with the mental stuff Yeah it's really scary And it's so They're so serious about it as well
1: She doesn't think anything's going to harm her That that, that shot you mentioned Is that the thing they they pump in their chest or something Or put it in that arm Yeah it's a Narcan shot
0: Exactly. It basically starts your heart again after an overdose with so something like heroin or an opiate. Your your heart rate and all that decreases. So the pumps per minute lessen, lessen. And if you do too much or it's cut with something deadly, it can stop your heart. The Narcan will do that injection, almost like what you saw on like Pulp Fiction to Uma That mm-hmm. boom it's just yeah. <gasps> that. That's basically what happens. And then they say, "Well, where's the heroin?" And my friend, the girl said. Not my friend. My client said, "Oh, we threw it out because obviously either it was bad or whatever." Was she? And she still said she hasn't spoken to either of these people any again because they threw out her stash. They watched her basically die for. Yeah, she died once for like four or five minutes, and people saw her. And she only she stopped talking to them because they she threw out her stash. Wow. That's how powerful this is. Oh my God. Yeah. It's scary.
1: It is. Seems like when it comes to people, relationship, and drugs, drugs usually win.
0: Drugs will always win unless you get help. It will always win because for you know for some reason in their head or in whomever's head, it's you're medicating yourself. So. So you're supposed to take Tylenol for a headache. But you know what? If I take two Vicodins, I'm going to feel way better than two Tylenols. Then it becomes four Vicodins, six Vicodins. If you're not willing to, again, fight. No one can fight for this for you. Nobody can do it. Your family can't. Nobody. Excuse me. You have to want it.
1: And that's usually when people hit, hit rock, rock bottom, lose everything they have in the world before they get to that point till. They have the strength to really try to do better, and it's unfortunate. A lot of people hit bottom and still don't want to fix themselves.
0: You know why? I'll tell you exactly why. Because every rock bottom has a basement. There's always a basement. There's always a basement <laughs> oh, wow. in your rock bottom. There's, if you're alive, one. isn't it? But it's true. It could be every worse. Every rock eh? bottom will have a basement unless you die. Death is yeah. the ultimate rock bottom to drug addicts because you can't wow. come back from that. But it
2: will always. Oh yeah. Well that's it. a good it's that's a good that's a powerful statement.
1: Yeah, wasn't it though? Well, I never thought about that. I always <laughs> hit, you know, hit the bottom, but hell I never thought about it, even the bottom got a basement. <laughs> you know? well, hell well,
2: yeah, uh, <laughs> well if you're alive I guess there is one. Something exactly. worse could happen. There's huh? the next well,
0: time. So
2: so I, I I know it's ultimately maybe still a mystery, but Michelle, what what do you think? Um, what what do you think brings a person to the point where they finally say, okay, i got to turn around, go in another direction here? So
0: with my clients, on day one, I look at them and I say, are you done with drugs? Are you done? And so far, nobody is done on day one. They're not ready to be done because they want them still. But on day 30, day 60, day 90, I'll ask the same exact question, are you done? and without hesitation most of my clients say yes so i've learned through that process that behavior modification therapeutic intervention sometimes crisis intervention trauma therapy whatever it is you need to learn about you in order to be done with drugs it's nobody wants to go back to that life even the girl who OD'd 11 times she does not want to go backwards but she doesn't think she can go forwards so if you can't go mm. forwards you don't know how to go forwards you're going to stay In the past I can help them look forward Let's figure this out So you can do this But you have to be done And sometimes you're not done And sometimes relapse can be part of your recovery Sometimes it doesn't It's again how you play it
1: Elaborate on that Elaborate on that a little bit Michelle Uh, Relapse could be part of recovery
0: so sometimes people uh, will leave treatment and, all right, so let's say there's a, a guy who has heroin or whatever the drug of choice is. They, I don't really want to do this again. They have legal stuff. Their probation officer is drug testing them every two weeks or whatever the scenario is, and, and then they get off probation. So they're in their head, they're free. So technically, they can do whatever they want. They have to have in their brain – I don't want to do it. But sometimes you do, and sometimes they want to try it again. Sometimes that one try can kill you because Mm -hmm. let's say you're doing three bundles a day, and then you are sober for 60, 90 days, and you do three bundles again. You're going to overdose because your body isn't used to that tolerance again. Mm. So relapse sometimes has, uh, in some people's stories, are part of it because it's part of the journey of look where it took me so fast. I got back to, let's say, the basement of rock bottom real fast, and I don't want to go back there. Some people need to test it. Can I really? Okay, perfect example. Someone's a cocaine addict. They stop using cocaine, but they have a drink, a glass of wine at dinner. Then that turns into, oh, well, I had one glass of wine. I was fine. Two weeks later, all right, let me try a glass and a half, two glasses of wine. By the time you're at two glasses of wine, even if you don't like the taste of alcohol, your inhibitions have lowered so much that 100% of the time, your next phone call is to get cocaine. Wow. There's your, like, cyclical way. I don't care what the drug of choice is, it'll never be as good as your drug of choice. Some people do weed, and if they smoke weed again, again, their, their inhibitions are lowered, and, oh, well, if I could do this, then I could try heroin next time. And you fall right back into it. But then, it's a journey, and sometimes that, just that relapse And say, oh my God, I can't do this again. And then you move forward. Oh, okay. But it's the realization, basically.
1: Which all boils back down to the person that has to want to change in order for it to be successful. Always goes back to that.
0: Yes. No one can. I mean, there's so many people that I have parents, oh my God, if I could take their pain, if I could take this away from them, you know what? Or if there was a magic pill you can take, and I. If there was, I'm sure many, many people would want it. But if you don't want to get sober, you're not going to get sober. You're not. No one will convince you otherwise. If you have to. You really have to want it. You have to want it. Want it. I'm sorry.
2: So you're. It sounds. I know we've been talking about drugs today. Um, you guys also help people in recovery from alcohol.
0: Oh yeah, of course. Well. We don't discriminate with drugs or alcohol. All are welcome. Okay.
2: Do you see a difference in the psychology of people who are alcoholics from drug addicts?
0: Well, it's, yes. I mean, it depends. Let's go backwards because op- let's say prescription drugs and alcohol are legal. Illegal drugs, so someone, I have a client who's, who's an alcoholic, but he doesn't want to go to an N.A. meeting because he can't identify with the stories, or he's not as bad as a heroin addict because he doesn't do illegal drugs. You, there's your, like, rationalization there. So in A.A. or N.A., they'll say a drug is a drug. It doesn't matter what it is. But the, the mental piece and the psychological piece will dictate how you react to all of that. If you go to an AA meeting and you're a heroin addict and you say, hi, I'm X, I'm an addict, they want you to say addict alcoholic. Even if you say, uh-huh. oh, I don't really like to drink, it's how you do it. It's the legality versus illegal, illegality of it that will make the alcoholic say, well, I'm not doing, it's not as bad. So they minimize okay. it. And let me tell you, alcoholics will absolutely—they are just—it doesn't matter the the legal status of any of these drugs. It will take you deep, dark into the depths of hell, and you will desperately want to get out. And you'll take help from an NA person or an AA person. Does not matter if someone puts their hand out and you want help, grab it and hope they can help you. But yes, there's a big difference.
2: So. You're saying that uh, heroin is on the rise right now.
0: It's been for a while now, so uh, yeah. But right now they're cutting it with really dangerous things: Uh, the horse tranquilizers, the elephant tranquilizers. What is
2: what's your opinion about why? Why they're being
0: cut? Oh, because supposedly you get a better or a faster high from it, and if you get a faster high, then you're going to get more. So drug dealers are cutting it with that. So that they have, let's say, the best product, I sort see. of like the best coffee. <laughs> <That's> different.
2: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> no, I, I, that makes sense. Uh, so they run their, they, 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 are willing to pay the, pr- uh, pay the price yes. of the word getting around that it's dangerous. People are dying because I guess people think it's not going to happen to me.
0: Exactly. Exactly right. And then there's actually one strain that just came out that uh, the first responders, uh, the EMTs, whomever is trying to Narcan them, have to put like double gloves on because whatever, it's, whatever is in this drug, like a, uh, the size of a grain of salt, if it touches somebody else's skin, can be toxic.
1: My God.
0: Yeah, that's like the newest one lately. I just read about that about a week and a half ago. It just blew my mind that it's not even the person, it's the person helping them that actually can get sick. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty intense with that that's going on. And I think that's the car fentanyl. That's pretty new that they're cutting Mm. the
2: heroin with. Wow. I don't know how you could cut if it was a grain, I mean, it sounds like yeah
0: it's, it's i don't oh, yeah, I have no idea they precise figure out work stuff
2: yeah. right well, cocaine is cut do? a
0: lot with laxatives because people know cocaine and then you're gonna go you have to use the bathroom, so if you don't have to use the bathroom, it's not good cocaine, let's say That's generalization, so now people cut it with laxatives, even if it's bad,
2: okay, so. Let's say if a family has a member who is pretty clearly in trouble with addiction and that person is at that state of saying, you know, don't bother me. I don't have a problem. What kind of recommendations do you have for the family who's in that situation?
0: I am a huge proponent of um, the Al-Anon or Narconon or even private therapy. Because sometimes you can't save someone else. You're going to have to save yourself. And if the family member is, if you have an active drug addict in your house, your concentration is very on, is they, are they okay? Are they using? Are they, are they are What's going on? Are they dead? Are they alive? And guess what else falls apart? Your job falls apart. Your family will fall apart. Your life will start to disintegrate because your concentration is strictly on the addict. However, for parents, I can't just worry about me. I have to help my kid, again, problem solving. But what if your kid is so resistant and there's so much pushback? You have to do you. You have to because you're going to get sick and you're going to end up, a lot of times parents or whomever that can't fix, they end up using drugs and alcohol themselves. The, yeah. the therapist, someone will put them on Xanax to calm them down Or an antidepressant And then mm-hmm. that doesn't work anymore and, and you turn into a family of drug addicts Alcoholics because no one knows how to, how to Deal with anything So it's really important for family members To very very clearly Know what they need And their wants in life Because mm. following an active drug addict Is not good You're going to get hurt
2: Um, Lamont, are we, we close to the end here when we need to give Michelle a chance to talk about what she's doing and do a little ad for herself?
1: Yeah, we got a couple of minutes. Yep, 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 yep.
2: So what do you want me to do?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I sort of was listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> what we thought we'd like to do at the end of the program is to give you an opportunity to Tell people about your center and, and how they can get in contact with you or the center if they have they have a need for what we're talking about today, and okay. uh, you know how how do people reach you if they have a problem they want some help.
1: Okay, so absolutely. And so it, and, and, quick, if gonna bring, okay. and if they're going to bring and if they're going to bring nine people, Michelle, to let you know <laughs> I'll give
0: them another therapist. <laughs>
1: That's
0: all <right. laughs> We've got plenty.
1: <laughs>
0: so basically, the company the corporation is called american addiction centers and they're all over there's tom beach there's vegas it's all over the world the website is www.americanaddictioncenters.org my phone number if anyone needs to talk or anything like that is 561-221-0256 if there's any recommendations or any referrals I can offer or help people with, it's absolutely my pleasure to um, help anybody in need because this is such a critical issue that needs to be addressed by everybody. Um, it's a substance abuse dual diagnosis, and, again, it's, it's totally inclusive. It, every, you go to NA, the time spans is really pending on how much time they actually need and, and can deal with. But moving forward, if anybody again has any questions or anything, those are my um contact information that that I just had.
2: Now for anyone who did not get all her information, just remember that as soon almost within a few minutes after we close out the show, it will be archived and be on the internet. So um it's always available for anybody who missed any piece of it, you're listening, you can go back and listen to the whole show. Did I get that right, Lamont?
1: Yeah. Got it right. It'll be available on all your iTunes, podcasts, Spreaker. Uh, you know, you can get it from worldmovement.com. The website right on the front, the links are there. Um, blog, talk, radio, uh, the links are there. Just Google the show, kind of play a play, and you could put Michelle's name in there, and the show will pop up for you. And like, oh, like Cool. Matthew said the show will be available in a couple minutes worldwide and you could replay it and hear the whole show in its entirety. And we'd like to thank you, Michelle, and our listeners yes. and definitely come back next week, two thirty, the same time, and you could hear your guy, Matthew Anderson, and yours truly. And thank you so much and we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>